you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, move the sticks. Ten takeaways from week ten with Daniel Jeremiah. Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's. DJ Bucky, Rhett, back with you here for a little takeaway episode. And, hey, Buck, congratulations on North Carolina winning. I don't know if you guys actually played any defense in that game, but that's a big win for you guys. And, Rhett, somehow, I don't know, I haven't watched the games, but apparently Indiana's got a good football team all of a sudden. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) What's the deal, Bucky? We can't get any respect around here, you and me? None. No respect given, but that's okay. I, I, I've grown to expect that from DJ. He's a little pouty about his App State Mountaineers right now. Yeah. Hey, we're getting ready to beat Coastal Carolina this week, boys. We're going to be in the top 25. Our only loss is to Marshall. I think it's top 15 team. We're, we're just fine. Yeah, you know, you'll be down there in New Orleans playing in the New Orleans Bowl again, and we'll just be out in Pasadena, you know, sitting here at the uh, Rose Parade. So don't don't mind us, DJ. We're all good over here. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we can do some NFL football. I guess we've we got some great right. takeaways here uh, from an interesting weekend of football. And, and let's just skip the happy chat. Let's jump right in here, Rhett. You've got the first of our 10 takeaways. What is it? Let's hit it. The Patriots beat the Ravens like the Ravens. Newton will duck under center. Burke had the single setback. 
A lateral to Jacoby Myers, the former NC State quarterback, looks to throw. Bearing it out deep down the right side for Rex Perkins. Yeah. Dives and catches in the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. What a call. What a call. And you know it right away because Jacoby's about five yards deep. Perfect execution. Off the snap. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, guys, have you heard that Jacoby Myers used to play quarterback at NC State? My goodness, if I had a dollar for every time we heard about Jacoby Myers was a former quarterback. Look, I get it. Um, And and that was a part of the explosive play, like selective explosive plays that we saw from the Patriots pass game in this one. Had a couple of 20 yarders. But look, this was about the run game. This was about a power football game with adverse weather conditions. The Patriots turn to the ground. Damian Harris, 121 yards on 22 carries. Uh, this was why they beat the Ravens. This, and they, they did it in a way that we've come to expect the Ravens to try to impose their will on people. Uh, it, it, that just That's what kind of surprised me in this one a little bit. The Patriots were better at running the football. They were better at stopping the run. Two things that we've just come to know from these Ravens teams of the last uh, couple seasons now. Um, you know, the, the big plays in the past game, the trick play, that was just, that was enough. Cam Newton didn't do a bunch. This was reminiscent of what we saw from them when they were successful in the first two, three weeks of this season. It was that type of formula. Um, but the Ravens have been hurt up front. You know, Ronnie Stanley out. Nick Boyle goes down in this game at tight end. They were unable to run effectively, consistently. The wet ball was a problem for Skur at center. A couple of miscues there. Uh, turnover as well. And, and it just, look, I, I've just been saying it. It has not felt like the same Ravens team this year. It didn't in this game. But for the Patriots, I just, I wonder now, I wonder if this formula is enough for the Patriots to get back into contention in the AFC East. Bill Belichick said his team is definitely headed in the right direction. Seemed a little bit odd for him to say something like that for a team that's under 500, just in general for him to say something like that. But makes me wonder about this formula here for the Patriots. You know, Red, it's funny because I believe they found this formula and this identity a few weeks ago against the Buffalo Bills. Remembering that game against the Buffalo Bills, they were on their way to win the game when Cam Newton fumbled at the 14-yard line. But in that game, it was the same recipe. A lot of heavy running. Damon Harris was a guy that was the focal point of the run game. They were successful against the Jets. They replicated the formula, ran the ball. Against the Baltimore Ravens, I think they walk away from this game with a lot of confidence because as you alluded to, they ran it down the Baltimore Ravens' throats. They did it in a fashion that was very reminiscent to the way the Ravens have done it for years. And I think as they go forward, I think this is the way they have to play. The running game is their superpower. Yeah. Will it be enough for them to get back in the playoff hunt? I don't know. But I do believe that they found something and they're going to hang their hat on this. Well, you know, I'll, I'll flip around looking at the Ravens' side. Guys, we talk about how difficult it is to play quarterback as a rookie in the NFL, the challenges you have, the communication, the understanding, the execution. I think we could say the same thing defensively about being an inside linebacker. Uh, with all the responsibilities that you have, it is a lot. And I, I thought the Patriots went right at Patrick Queen in this game. You saw he was in coverage on, on, the, uh, on the double pass on the touchdown there from Myers. But in the run game, I mean, they just went at him over and over and over again. He was on his heels. He was catching blocks. He was jumping out of gaps, creating creases. 
Um, he just he really struggled in this game, and I think it's a lot on a young guy's plate to be handling all that you, you have to handle in the middle of that defense, and I thought it showed a little bit in this game. So, um, yeah, it's something that the Ravens are going to have to figure out going forward, and I think offensively, when you start looking at Ronnie Stanley, the, the Nick Boyle injury in this in this game is huge. He's a big part of their run game. Yep. Remember, they traded, traded Hayden Hurst in the offseason, so... Last year, you had the tackles healthy. You had so many tight ends, and that's how they kind of overwhelm people. I don't know if they have the personnel to do that uh, right now anymore. So that, that's going to be a challenge for them as they go forward. I, I'll get us to our next one here uh, real quick here. Number two on the takeaway list. Let's stay inside that to AFC East. Miami's amoeba defense uh, befuddles Justin Herbert. That's his eighth sack of the year. Back is on third and 12. Herbert fires. It's picked. The Dolphins have it. It's X-Men down the sideline. Boy, what great coverage. X-Men. Fifth interception of the year. So, Buck, I want to get to you on this one because when I watched you watching the game, calling the game, I noticed it. I went back and watched it. So you have 13 third downs for the Chargers. They're only four of 13. But on four of those third downs, they were an amoeba defense, meaning they don't have anybody in a three-point stance. It's six, seven, eight guys just milling around the line of scrimmage. And as a young quarterback, that is difficult because you don't know how to help with protections. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know what coverage they're going to be in when you figure out who drops out. So with nobody in a three-point stance, they did it four times in those four plays. Uh, one of them was a wide-open Keenan Allen, and Justin Herbert, even though he was protected, rushed the throw because he imagined pressure because it just it was confusing to him. So he rushes the throw as an incompletion. Uh, another time, you had uh, another incompletion. He had one completion, which was short of the sticks. And then, so they've played man-free with this, Buck, every time. Amoeba, man-free on the back end. Well, the last time they did it, they played cover three. So three deep, four underneath, and he throws the pick to Xavier Howard because his eyes are just locked in on the quarterback. So he sees that amoeba. He assumes he's going to get the man coverage because he's seen it all three times. They've done it earlier in the game, and all of a sudden, bam, they only rush four. Uh, they're dropping seven, and they've got all those eyes on the quarterback, and Xavier Howard picks it off. I, I think that's a huge It's a huge challenge for a young quarterback when you're seeing that. I mean, that's good luck. Yeah, no, good, good luck, and it's really a brilliant strategy by Brian Flores and his defensive staff because what the amoeba does, it makes it very, very tricky for the quarterback to set the point, meaning to identify who the Mike linebacker is and to direct the protection either to his side or away from his side. And when you bring the amoeba with nickel and dime personnel, the numbers all get jumbled because now you got 20s in the middle linebacker spot, you got 40s and stuff, and you just don't know who you're counting. And with the play clock going down, it just really increases the pressure that you sense. And then when you flip the coverage in the back end behind it, you talk about man free or cover zero or cover three, you're now asking the quarterback to do a lot in the pre-snap phase and even more in the post-snap phase, which is why we saw Justin Herbert have some mistakes because he just didn't know what was going on. Well, and guys on the offensive side of the ball, kind of. Tua Tungavailoa is 3-0 now as a starter since week eight, but it, it seems like his greatest impact has come with the Dolphins' defense and with the Dolphins' special teams. I mean, since he's become the starter, the Dolphins have scored 34 points off turnovers, they have two defensive touchdowns. They got a return touchdown. All of that, most in the NFL since week eight, since Tua has become the starter. Their total return yardage is among the top five. Since week eight, the Dolphins' average starting field position 
is their own 36-yard line. That's the second-best average starting field position in the NFL. Four of their six scoring drives in this game started in Chargers territory. Things, you know, we we talk about it all the time, quarterbacks Mm -hmm. bringing guys around them, raising the level of play around them. Look, I don't know if you can make that kind of correlation here with the other sides of the ball, but, man, they are playing energized. They are playing – they are just playing – better the last three weeks of the season with Tua there. I, I, look, I don't know if it's a direct correlation there, but man, it's something interesting to follow here uh, moving down the stretch because everybody else is really stepping their game up. Yeah, I would add, look, their special teams have been outstanding. On the other side of it, the Chargers, I believe, have the worst special teams unit in the National Football League. It is self-inflicted wound week after week after week after week. They just can't get it figured out. Um, and that block punt early in the game just put them right behind the eight ball. Yep. I feel like we buried the lead here, Buck. Uh, we're looking at our next takeaway here, takeaway number three. Uh, I think it was the biggest story of the weekend. <laughs> Wait, what <Yeah>. was that? <laughs> Murray's miracle leads to a Cardinals win. First down at the Buffalo 43. Murray back to throw, flushed out, rolling left in trouble, slips a tackle, got to launch it. He does. Left side, into the end zone, jump ball, and it is. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh, my goodness, it's caught. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. He caught it for a touchdown with one second left. I can't believe it. You've got to be joking me. Hopkins reaches up with three defenders around him and pulls it in, and the Cardinals lead it. 32 to 30 with a second lap. <laughs> Man, just an unbelievable play. And and what what's so remarkable about this play, DJ, is it's everything that we know that quarterbacks aren't supposed to be able to do effectively. You're not supposed <laughs> to be able to roll out to your left and throw the ball as a right-hander and get mustered on it. More importantly, you're not supposed to be able to have one receiver against three guys in a jump ball Hail Mary situation, have him come down with it. And so Kyler Murray releases the ball, and I'm sitting here watching it like, oh, man, that has a chance. And then you look up and you see these hands kind of come out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, sure, that's DeAndre Hopkins. He catches everything with people on him. And so it's just one of those things where after the game, DeAndre Hopkins is talking about, hey, that's in, in high school basketball, we used to talk about dunking on your head. He dunked on three defenders' heads on an alley-oop that he had no business getting. It's just one of the reasons why he is arguably the best 50-50 ball pass catcher that we've ever seen in the National Football League. So here you're seeing this in a few different angles now. And I, I talked about this uh, a little bit this morning um, as uh, DJ and I were getting ready for the aftermath. Watch Jordan Poyer come in here and kind of provide a little friendly fire on Tredavious White, yeah. almost like coming in yep. and knocking him off. I don't know if he's going to be able to dislodge, if Tredavious White is going to be able to dislodge that ball from Hopkins. But with Poyer kind of coming in, Somewhat blindly, it felt like, or at least looked like, it knocks Tredavious White out of the play. And and at that point, you know, Hopkins has the defender behind him boxed out and, and is able to come down with it. You, you're going to see it here. Once you watch Poyer come in and then you see that just knocks White to the ground because at that point, White's got the positioning, even though it does. He's end got up, a chance to raise the ball. He's got a chance, yep. right? And Hopkins, who, I mean, you know, had timed that jump perfectly and his length and his hands going up there, those mitts, those two XL gloves, whatever he wears, uh, certainly paid off in that. And look, you know what, what I find interesting is we do all this stuff with next gen stats and the completion probability. 
that wasn't even like the most uh, ridiculous completion that Kyler Murray has thrown this year. It's like a 16.9% completion probability. Um, there were others that had a, a lower completion probability this year. I, I, I mean, I don't know, find them for me, but that one is, is as tough as it gets. And I think we're going to talk about it on the aftermath today, DJ. Cardinals run game was big here too. Big reason why they were able to come out on top uh, in addition to this miracle Hail Murray. Yeah, look, it, it, the Cardinals uh, run game got going 245 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buck, I want to get to you on this real quick, though. When we start looking at kryptonite for some of these playoff teams, the Buffalo Bills have three losses this year. Tennessee ran for a buck 39. KC ran for 245. Arizona ran for 245. So in their three losses, they're giving up 210 yards rushing. Look, you get into the postseason, you look at some of the teams you're going to run into. They've already seen a couple of them here, with potentially with Kansas City and, and maybe Tennessee. Uh, in the AFC, you look at, at Baltimore, what, you know, they're going to try and really run the football. If somehow the, you know, the Patriots were to get in there, you know, they're going to run the football. Um, I, it's interesting to me that that's a concern if you're the Buffalo Bills in a cold weather game in the playoffs, particularly if you win your division, you're playing at home. Uh, I, I don't know. They get in a street fight. I don't feel great about that. No, I don't feel great about it. And they have been able to get away with, I would say, some OK play the last few weeks and win games. But I think you are right. Their warts have been revealed when it comes to their defense. Their defense doesn't necessarily stop the run consistently. And as we get into the postseason and as these game plans become really more game-to-game centric, they're going to have to show people that they're physical enough to be able to stop the running game. And so you talk about the potential teams that are in the playoffs. Baltimore has the ability to run it. The Cleveland Browns can run the football. The Tennessee Titans can run it. The Kansas City Chiefs can run it when they want to run it. The Las Vegas Raiders can run the football. And so when you look at the potential matchups, this is not uh, looking good for the Buffalo Bills. And Sean McDermott and his staff, they have to figure out a way to stop it. And you're right, Red. I didn't mention the Baltimore Ravens. But, yeah, you got to be able to stop the run. Yeah, No, no question about it. Um, all right, guys, I'll get us to our fourth takeaway here and uh, takes us down to, you know, New Orleans, where no breeze for the duration, no typical offense, no problem, at least for now. Third and 12 for the Niners. Mullins drops back, has a pocket, throws over the middle. The ball picked up at the 25, coming back the other way. It's Malcolm Jenkins who slides down in two weeks in a row. Malcolm Jenkins with a turnover. Last week was Malcolm's first interception since week 12 of the 2018 season, and now he's got him in back-to-back weeks. Well, guys, uh, this game is truly highlighted by the hit that Drew Brees took, uh, which he, he stayed into the in the game, or he came back into the game to run the final uh, like two-minute drill at the end of the first half in which the Saints scored, but then was unable to go in the second half. Breeze calls it an accumulation of things. Our Ian Rapport has mentioned that uh, it's a rib situation here, back situation where Breeze could miss some time. Um, So Peyton acknowledging, Coach Sean Peyton acknowledging that, like, for Breeze to come up to him and say, I don't think I can go, he knew it had to be something fairly significant. First time in, like, 15 years that Breeze – you know, has has had to say something like that to his head coach. So that is something we need to watch moving forward, clearly. Look, my friends in New Orleans, you know, I grew up in New Orleans. All my friends in New Orleans are diehard Saints fans, and they have bemoaned Breeze's limitations at age 41 at times this season, like many of us uh, have in the media as well. But they acknowledge that Jameis Winston flat out does not run this offense the way 
that Drew Brees does, and no one does for that matter. That's not necessarily a knock on Jameis Winston. Now, we did see Teddy Bridgewater come in last year and play really well. What, he end up like 5-0? and But you also got to remember that Bridgewater had about a year under his belt before he was forced into duty, whereas Jameis Winston is coming in now this year if he has to, or Taysom Hill, I suppose. But for in Winston's case, first year with the Saints, limited offseason, very limited reps, you would imagine, through training camp and, and, and in this season in particular – and so now, if he's got to be called upon, how does he operate the offense? How does Sean Payton call the offense differently moving forward? So that's something um, that uh, we're going to have to watch here. And they, by the way, though, you know, the the um, the Saints have four games coming up against teams with losing records before they have to battle the Chiefs in week 15. So maybe there's a shot for them to kind of hold water and stay atop the NFC South or at least stay close to make a run if Brees can come back and when he comes back. But that's uh, this is kind of an interesting situation here for New Orleans. Yeah, Rich, you bring up an interesting scenario, right? Because naturally, so much of the conversation in the offseason was about Taysom Hill being potentially a franchise quarterback. Yeah. But yet when Drew Brees is unavailable, they go to Jameis Winston. So I think it kind of tells you a little bit of how they view their quarterback situation. They like Taysom Hill as the gadget guy. Jameis Winston is more of your traditional quarterback. I will say, typically, Sean Payton does a great job of getting quarterbacks ready to play. And even though Jameis doesn't have a lot of experience in this offense, I just have a belief that Sean Payton will find a way to have a small menu that will allow him to succeed. The big thing, whenever it's Jameis is, can he take care of the football? Because this team defensively is good enough to make it happen. He has enough weapons around him. So unlike what he had to do in Tampa, he just needs to drive the car and get it to the winner's circle. I think he's good enough, but let's see if he can avoid the thing that has always been his Achilles heel. One thing I've, I've seen in a lot of movies, which I, I can honestly say I've never actually seen one out on the road, is the motorcycle with the sidecar. You know, like think of Indiana Jones <laughs> with his dad and the little sidecar. I saw one on, yesterday. On the motorcycle. No lie. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, with a, a dog in it. With a dog in it. Yes. On PCA. Okay. So... Go ahead. Okay, yeah. Rhett, Rhett lives in the uppity-uppity neighborhood, so apparently this, this kind of uh, thing is in vogue up there. I've never seen one actually on the road, but that to me, Bucky, Taysom Hill is in the sidecar. I don't matter who's who's going to be riding the bike. I don't know if that's going to be Drew Brees or James, but he's not getting out of the sidecar. He's on the road. He's going along for the journey, but he is not going to be on the motorcycle. He's firmly implanted in that sidecar. I feel like I feel like there needs to be an animation that pops up when you do that. And I feel like Taysom Hill should be in the sidecar just kind of looking up at the driver because it is it, it is true. The best thing that Taysom Hill does is he comes in, he gives you a spark in a variety of different ways as a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Quarterback run game, uh, read option game, being able to be a playmaker in the passing game. He does all those things. And so I can understand why you don't want to take away from that. It will just be interesting to see how Sean Payton manages the reps during the practice week and how he manages the Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill sidecar scenario as they go forward and they play the Atlanta Falcons this week. Hey, last thing I'll mention on this one uh, before we move on here. Traquan Smith went down with a concussion in this game. Josh Hill, the tight end, went down with a concussion in this game. And Sean Payton talked about the significance of those injuries post-game in relation to the success of the run game. So now if you have to be without Breeze and you have to rely even more on the run game, you know, you're missing a couple of pieces that are crucial. We're talking about a blocking tight end there, a guy in Traquan Smith who's a physical receiver there um, who could, you know, 
cause some issues in the continuity of that offense from a run game perspective moving forward if they're unable to go next week as well. Good point, Rip. All right, I'll get us to uh, takeaway five. Raiders bully the Broncos. Locke looking back to the end zone. Fires intercepted in the end zone. Out to the 10, the 15, the 20. Oh, baby. Jeff Heath, who threw the hold, came up with his second interception of the game and saves the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders, the Raiders. Look, we, you talked about them a little bit earlier, uh, Red. I think you hit on it. Yeah. Um, this is a team that's they're just they're a physical. They're a bully. I mean, that's the word I come back to. Two hundred and three rushing yards in this game. They only give up sixty six. They pick off Drew Locke four times. I don't think they have a dominant front. They were able to get after the quarterback a little bit. You know, Max Crosby continues to be a consistent force for them. But I would be excited if I was a Raider fan because they're going to go to the playoffs this year. They're going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're going to make a deep run, Buck, but they are going to take that next step as a playoff team. And I think they know what they need. If they can go out and address the defensive front, just add some more guys there, uh, maybe another corner as well. Um, This is a team you can envision with Derek Carr playing the way he's played this year, which has been very solid um, with the physicality that they have. This is a team that could be a really, really good team. I think they're going to be a, 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 a wild card team this year, 10 win team. But, you know, I think that the menu for them going forward is, is very obvious what they need to do to take that next step. DJ, you make a great point about the Raiders and what they need to get going forward because I think this offense is obviously ready to go. John Gruden has done a great job of managing the game to compensate for that defense. But if the defense gets up to snuff, this is a team that we will continue to talk about being one of those title contenders. So let me go to six, my takeaway, and I'm going to go to the Rams and, man, the Rams are a tough team to beat. Third down and nine from the plus 43. Wilson, he's back to throw. He shoots it right side, and it is intercepted again. Darius Williams diving to make the play to his feet to midfield and into Seahawks territory. What a pick. This kid's incredible. You know, when I look at the L.A. Rams, so much is always made about their offense and Sean McVay and all the Bills and Wilsons that they display on that side of the ball. But this defense gives them a chance to make a long run in the postseason. When I look at what Brandon Staley has been able to do with this defense against the Seattle Seahawks, six sacks, they were able to really get after Russell Wilson had two turnover interceptions, forced a fumble, did a great job of just dominating the game in every aspect. And I look at the pieces of the puzzle. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but the reemergence of Leonard Floyd as a dominant player has really helped them. And if the Rams can continue to get this kind of effort from their defense, they may be one of the last teams standing when it's all said and done. Yeah, look, they uh, they made this turnover thing a real trend for Russell Wilson. Now has ten turnovers in the last four weeks. That leads the league. Uh, another three here this week, and um, you know. I thought it was uh, when I was looking at the kind of the numbers from this game, I saw that our pal Peter Schrager over on GMFB had a little tweet about this Rams defense in the second half of their nine games this season. In eight of those nine games, they've allowed three or less second half points in eight of nine games. That is closing defense, right? That allows you to win football games when your defense steps up to the plate at the end of games like that. And quite frankly, they've had to. They've had to lock down in the second half because their offense has not been scoring at the clip that we've come that we've become accustomed to. They're usually a 29, kind of 30-point team week in and week out, whereas this year they're about a, about a touchdown less than that. And that's what it's kind of felt like. And I think that's part of a little bit of frustration 
for head coach Sean McVay, despite this victory here over the Seahawks in week 10, it's still kind of feeling like there's, they're leaving points out there and they're, they're not consistent enough to go out there and put points on the board offensively, DJ. That's a lot of good nuggets there. Right? I, I love what you said, though, about that, that nugget from Shregs because yeah. you can spend – there's guys that can spend the whole week, right? You'll see there's some bad teams, right? But their first 15, once they get on script, they have a full week to prepare. And with a full week to prepare, they have a little bit of success. As the game goes on longer, it's how can you react, how can you adjust in-game. Can you do that in-game? Right. Not to mention you get a little bit of time at halftime. Yeah. How do you come out of half? That, to me, is a sign of a good coaching staff. It doesn't take a full week there. you got to make those decisions in hours and minutes. And Exactly. And so to be able to do that, I think it's, it, it says a lot about that Rams defensive coaching staff. But going back to Russell Wilson, last two games, you mentioned it, the turnovers, four picks, three fumbles. He's been sacked 11 times the last two weeks. And I went back and, and charted all of his interceptions. He's got 10 picks this year. Six of those picks on third and fourth down, uh, third or fourth down. Four of those picks, Bucky, are in the end zone. Mm. So, I mean, he's got four picks and scoring opportunities. Those are potential seven-point turnovers, man. Those are huge. Yeah. Uh, trying to do too much, trying to force the ball. Some of the sacks in this last game, uh, one of them, Buck, he's got he's got a hot in the flat that's wide open. He's got DK Metcalf spotted up over the ball who's wide open. He had another one out on the other side of the field who's wide open. And you see him with the pressure about three or four yards away, he turtles up and just takes the sack. I mean, he is he is not comfortable at all right now. So, so this has always been the dilemma in my mind about the let Russ cook philosophy in movement because he is without question their best player. But the problem is when they completely abandon the running game, it puts him in harm's way. The offensive line isn't good enough to be in a straight drop back game. The wide receivers are very good, but they benefit from play action because it creates big holes and big windows. And as they continue to try and play this style where they're just giving it to Russ and asking Russ to throw it 45 and 50 times, it's going to be hard. And also know this, the last few weeks, more teams are sitting back with seven guys, eight guys in the coverage, and they're daring Russ to find open windows. And he's having a tough time being disciplined and detailed enough to fit the ball in those tights, in those spaces. We will continue to see the Seahawks struggle until they find a little level of balance with their offense. Now, there is a three-way tie atop the NFC West right now. Going to be a very fun finish out West. All right, let's keep it rolling here with the takeaways. I'll move us on to number seven. We're spreading the wealth. Works for the Bucks. Brady, hard count, hands the ball off. Rojo pops it free. Across the fence, head to the 15-20. Rojo to the 30. Rojo to the 40. Rojo to the 50. Rojo to the 40. Rojo to the 30. High seven to the 20. It'll be a 98-yard touchdown run by Ronald Jones, the second. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. One play, 98 yards, and a run into the record book for Ronald Jones, the second. Yeah, longest run in Bucks franchise history right there for Ronald Jones. That? And that's not even really where I'm going with this, even though the 191 yards on the ground was certainly uh, a positive for this Bucks offense. I'm talking about the, the core, right? The talent that we've been talking about when last week so much went wrong for the Bucks against the Saints. Man, there was little that wasn't going right in the passing game here. I mean, they had it all rolling. They had Mike Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown all getting fed in this game. Rob Gronkowski, a couple of big catches, and then Cam Brake gets into the end zone as well. Tom was really spreading things around and trying to get everybody involved. Now, the one thing that I will say, though, is he was off on a couple of deep balls, one in particular to Antonio Brown 
that was a surefire touchdown uh, early in the game and was just way off. They ended up scoring on the drive anyway, so it didn't really matter. But seven catches for Antonio Brown, 69 yards. Um, he had double-digit targets in this game. He really started trying to get the ball to Mike Evans again uh, as well. Look, I thought the – and to go back to Ronald Jones, like I, I thought the early fumble he had on the reception – uh, early in this game was going to doom him and send him to the doghouse and it was going to be Leonard Fournette the rest of the way. But credit to Bruce Arians, patience paying off there. He gets you the 98-yard run, 191 yards, man. This this kind of formula here, as we start to see some comfortability and rhythm for this Bucks offense, that's going to make this team a tough out in the NFC playoff push here. It absolutely will make them a tough out because the biggest thing that they can do is they can spread you really, yeah. really thin with all of their talent. You think about the, the four top playmakers that they have in the passing game, Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski. How do you match up with that? And then when they start to utilize the running game, which I believe is critical because it now allows them to add the play-action pass element to the passing game. When they're able to incorporate Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, it really takes some of the pressure off Tom Brady and makes this offense nearly impossible to stop. Let's see if they can keep it going because this is the version that everyone is fearful of facing going down the stretch. Was I watching the right team last week? Did Tampa I mean, only run the ball five times and one was a nail down? Am I imagining that? Yeah. Because that does not look like the same team uh, when you turn on this tape and watch it. I, I, I talked last week on the takeaways, though, guys, about how people around the league talking to me were saying they're going to be paying attention to Tampa against Carolina this, this week because Tom Brady in years past, he's had clunkers. He's had clunkers in the past. But, man, you do not want to see an angry Tom Brady because then he's able to take his game to another level. And if, he, if he's unable to do that against Carolina, then they're going to say, okay, he's 43 years old. Those days are behind him. But what do we get? We get vintage Tom Brady. They throw for over 300 yards. You mentioned spreading the wealth to all those different targets. How about third downs? They're 10 of 16 converting third downs. They converted their one, uh, one on fourth down as well. So really 11 of 17, their ability to convert there. They want some empty early. He was able to get the ball out of his hands. It was impressive uh, what Tom Brady did in this game, Buck. I, I just I look at this team and I say, okay, last week I, I can kind of forgive it. You're going to have a couple clunkers along the way. If they get this type of performance going forward, especially when you see some of the flaws of the teams inside the NFC, it's a dangerous bunch. It is a dangerous bunch because when they play this way, they don't turn the ball over and they allow their defense to kind of play in favorable situations. This is the best version of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think one thing that we're realizing, the NFC is wide open because we like a lot of these teams, but I think all of them have a fatal flaw. It will be interesting to see how they match up in the postseason because matchups will ultimately determine which teams we see continue to go on. No doubt. All right, let's keep it rolling here. I'll go takeaway number eight. Steelers stymie Burrow. Empty set for Joe Burrow. Wide side to his right. He's back with 29 seconds. It's TJ Watt with his second sack of the game back across the 45-yard line. Burrow said, I am having trouble dealing with number 90. Somebody help me, please. Yeah, I thought after the game, there was a great quote there from TJ Watt saying, yeah, we want to welcome these young quarterbacks inside the division. Let them know what's going to happen every time they face the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, 0 of 13 on third down for the Bengals, zero, like a donut, 0 of 13. Those four sacks, three of them were the four-man rush. So, Buck, we've talked a lot about Blitzburg and how aggressive that they've been. They didn't need to be aggressive in this one. Four was enough. 
Nah, four is enough. And DJ, what is the new thing that we're seeing in the league? Simulated pressure, meaning people, teams that blitz a lot, what they do is they walk around and it looks like they're about to bring a five or six man pressure. They drop back. They use a three or four man rush. But because your eyes are so diverted with all the movement, you fail to pick up one of the rushers and he hits your quarterback in the ear hole. We're seeing more teams do it. The Pittsburgh Steelers are doing it. TJ Watt was able to be successful getting to the quarterback off of some simulated pressures. As the Pittsburgh Steelers continue to dominate people with their defense, Ben Roethlisberger and the offense are just efficiently carving you up. This is a tough team, man. It's a very tough team to deal with. And I know we're talking about dynasties in Kansas City, but at some point, the Kansas City Chiefs have to deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I can't wait for that matchup to inevitably happen. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one here. And now, look, I look at it from the Bengals' perspective. This is not the first time where Joe Burrow has been hit, you know, into the teens, right? Uh, 13 times he was hitting this game, four of them, and he got going for sacks. Remember, we talked about it back when they played the Eagles, DJ, and, I mean, there were times where the Eagles mm-hmm. thought that they had knocked him out of the game, right? I think they had something like 16 hits in that game. So if you're Zach Taylor and you're starting to approach this territory here, week 10, week 11, now going into next week where your rookie quarterback, the face of your franchise who has proven that he is going to be a special player in this league is getting hit like this. Do you start to tone things back a little bit and try to maybe change the way that you're calling games so that to avoid this type of look, I mean, I know they're they're limited with what they can do with the personnel they have up front on the offensive line. But is there a way to better protect him moving forward? I guess is the point. Yeah, I mean, keep running the football and get him on the move. Um, yeah. That's the best thing I, I can say. But they're they're just out they're outmatched up front. The good thing is I I don't worry about Joe Burrow. I know some people are saying, oh, he's getting so beat up and he's gonna it's gonna it's gonna ruin him psychologically. This kid is so physically and mentally tough. Yeah. He's built for it. And they're going to have resources. We've said it all year long, right? If you're the Bengals at this point in time in the process, you want to see some good things from your young players, particularly your quarterback. While you're losing games to make sure you get some high picks, you can really help him out going forward. You're seeing T. Higgins emerge as a big-time weapon there for Joe Burrow. Got some pieces in place. This next offseason, it is all offensive line. Watch, get you a free agent or two and invest heavily, including potentially a top-five pick there uh, to give him some help. Uh, Okay, Buck, what's, uh, what's number nine? The Green Bay Packers win, but boy, it was ugly. Devontae to the left, MVS on the wing, left side, Rodgers under center, first and goal. Play action, or hang on, Rodgers looking, blocks the left side of the end zone, leaping grab, Devontae Adams, touchdown Green Bay! Oh, what a beautiful play fake by Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams on a leaping grab of the left side of the end zone, and the Packers have taken a 23-20 lead. You know, every every coach would tell you, you're not going to have your A game for each and every week. And the Packers certainly did not bring their A game. This was a performance that we can look at the numbers and Aaron Rodgers had over 300 yards. Devontae Adams had eight catches and a touchdown. But it wasn't a, like a, a high-level performance from them. They sputtered. They were off the mark. Devontae Adams looked like he was frustrated, even though the Jaguars don't have premier corners. And so this is one where they survived in advance, but there's a lot of work for this team to do. If they're going to kind of reach the ranks of the elite, they got to bring a better effort each and every week. Yeah, and Bucky, you know, look, I thought the silver lining was they were able to turn to somebody other than Devontae Adams for some production. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had the huge 78-yard catch, a perfect throw from Rodgers, uh, probably the only, you know, the, the real, the only perfect play that we saw from them uh, all game long in this one. And then, you know, they just didn't have the running game. But, you know, I think 
now that you get a game like this from MVS, you got Alan Lazard coming back off IR probably this coming week. Maybe you start to get some of these pieces together here at the right time. Um, I know they've been a little shorthanded on the offensive line uh, as well. So, um, I, look, it, you're going to have to win some of these, you know, for a team like this and the Packers who are right now at the top of the NFC, the number one seed as it stands at this point right now. So, um, you know, there's still a lot to like about this Packers team moving forward. Yeah, and one positive thing as we get to the last takeaway here, if you're the Jags and it's been a just an awful year, the win-loss win, win record is what it is here. As they march to a top two pick here, potentially could be the first overall pick if the Jets accidentally win a game. Um, but James Robinson has been a bright point, a- another 100-yard game for yeah. him. Um, so going forward into next year, they do have somebody there in the backfield they can they can build around him. All right, Rhett, what's the uh, final takeaway here? Don't count the Giants out yet. I said, Jones, handoff, Gallman, runs right in for the touchdown, Giants. Wayne Gallman, second rushing touchdown of the ball game. And the Giants are up 20 to 11 with the extra point pending. Well, you know what? I'm kind of glad we saved this one for last because this take is about as spicy as it gets. When you're talking about a team that entered week 10, 16th in the NFC, dead last in the NFC, 16 out of 16. And now after a win over the Eagles, Their second win in a row, the New York Giants, had the same amount of wins this season as the team that's in first place in their own division. And they're playing better. Wayne Gallman has five touchdowns in the last four games, one in each of the last four. He had two against the Eagles. Daniel Jones is still the the team's leading rusher. And look, it's not by accident. Like He's a really good athlete and showing you why. They even had another touchdown called back. Thankfully, he was able to stay up on that 34-yard score. Uh, you know, you're getting the, the thing that I want to also kind of keep an eye on is Darius Slayton left this game uh, briefly in the first half with uh, an ankle injury. Something to watch moving forward. They're playing a lot better on defense, though. They frustrated the Eagles in this game. Uh, they gave up that long touchdown to Boston Scott. But otherwise, man, I thought they played pretty well. And look, I mean, there's no reason to think that the Giants cannot win this division and somehow find their way into the playoffs despite being a, you know, if they're a 5-6 win team. I mean, that's just the way... This is a historically bad division. So they're they're in position right now. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. No, no. They're right there. And here's what I will say about the New York Giants. Their effort, energy, enthusiasm, and hustle overcome some of the talent deficiencies that they have on their roster. I will give Joe Judge a ton of credit. Um, Look, the the methods might have been viewed a little high schoolish, but he has these guys believing. They're playing hard. And I would say that of all the teams that we're seeing in the East, they may be the most well-coached because we don't see these fundamental errors from them that we're seeing from other teams, and that gives them a chance. I don't know if they're talented enough to get the T-shirt and the hat, but it's looking like they're going to be in a position the last three or four games to play for a T-shirt and hat, and I think that's significant for Joe Judge in this first year. Yeah, and look, I think you can look around the division and we can try and make excuses and say, look, the Washington football team's got a new coaching staff. Uh, You kind of look at some of the injuries that they might be dealing with. You look at the Eagles, even though they've had a myriad of injuries and the offensive line has been besieged by injuries. Um, You look at the Dallas Cowboys losing Dak Prescott, that's big as well. This is a Giants team that's best player hasn't played. He's played one game when you look at Saquon Barkley, missing him for the entire year. They didn't mope about it. I know the wins haven't you know tallied up, but they're competitive each and every week. 
They know exactly who and what they are. They're very physical. You see those that defensive line. I think when you look at Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, the way they've mm-hmm. played inside has been really, really good group for them. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson's another one. So those three guys, they've got a really good, uh, strong group up there that plays physical. So they know who they are, and I, I'm with you. I mean, to me, this is a team – Guys, this is a six and ten one team that's going to have a good chance of winning this division. And you know what? It's insane. It's insane. When Daniel Jones doesn't turn the ball over, they can win football games. And he didn't turn the ball over in this game. They can easily have two or three more wins. They can easily have two or three more wins. They've been competitive in a bunch of those games. Have have lost some leads late in those games as well. Uh, But again, yeah, hats off. Hats off to Joe Judge to Daniel Jones. Hats off. Had some criticism early on, and they've they've battled through it. And right now, the the New York Giants. Right in the thick of it. Well, another week is in the books here, Buck. And uh, as we look forward just a little bit here at the end, man, we've got some good matchups next week. Think about in, in the AFC, you got two great games, the Tennessee Titans, the Baltimore Ravens. You also have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders in a big divisional matchup. Yeah, that AFC West matchup is really intriguing for me. Having played on both sides, I know what it means to be a Kansas City Chief and to talk about Raider Week. I also know what John Gruden uh, is telling his guys when it comes to measuring up against the Chiefs. And because they knocked them off early in the year, oh, you may see Patrick Mahomes and crew unleashed. It's going to be a hungry bunch, I I think, there. I think that's safe to say with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for hanging with us. Another takeaway episode is in the books. But but stay with us. We'll be around each and every week as we march through the season, going towards the playoffs and towards the Super Bowl. We'll have your takeaways each and every week right here on Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.